I am willing to bet that at some time in your life, you've met an angel. You have had a messenger from God. God has told you something in some way. I am willing to bet on that, even if you don't remember. Several years ago, there was a story making the rounds on the Internet. A man had been playing the violin at a busy subway stop in Washington, D.C., and the scene unfolded exactly as we would expect. A few people stopped to listen, some dropped some money off, and hurried along to wherever they were going. The reason this was a story at all was because the man that was playing in the subway was internationally renowned violinist Joshua Bell, who can make up to $1,000 a minute for concert performances, playing on a violin rumored to be worth $3.5 million. How many people stopped over the course of his 43-minute concert in the subway? Seven out of 1,097. A brilliant musician who normally plays at concerts where cheap tickets would cost $100 on an instrument that can be described as legendary, seven people stopped. I doubt I would have stopped. You see, when we're not expecting to encounter something profound, something beautiful, something extraordinary, we can easily walk right by it, which is what 1,090 people out of 1,097 did. Our scripture that we're about to read today is this again, this happening 2,000 years ago. You see, our scripture text picks up today after the Messiah has been born and he's being carried around in his mother's arms. He is here for all to see. Our text this morning is about a man named Simeon. He's in the middle of a busy city in Jerusalem at the temple where people should expect to see God. And as I read the passage for this morning... I want you to pay attention to how many people notice that the Son of God is in their midst. A reading from Luke chapter 2, beginning with verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. The man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he met the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed about what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, 
This child is destined for the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Did you catch it? How many people noticed that they were in the presence of God that day? One. One person out of however many hundreds or thousands of people brushed by him. Just one. Simeon had received this promise from God that he would see the Messiah before he died. He had received this promise and he believed it. So he spent his life waiting for this Messiah. Not just waiting, but expecting. Every day could be the day he met the Messiah. Every conversation could lead him closer to the Messiah. He is constantly expecting to see the Messiah. So when Jesus does appear, even wrapped in blankets and carried by a tired and dirty teenage mother, Simeon recognizes him. Looking at the baby, he says, My eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. God has prepared this Messiah in the presence of all peoples, but so few recognize it. And not just because Jesus is a baby. As he grows older, some people will recognize that there is something miraculous about him, but most will not. Jesus will spend most of his adult life not being recognized. He will spend it being laughed at, being doubted, being ignored. Though many will know Jesus as an adult, they won't recognize him. But Simeon, he recognized him even as an infant. Why? Why did he recognize him? Because he anticipated God showing up. He expected to see God. Thousands of people will hear Jesus' teachings. Thousands of people will see all of his miracles. And thousands will pass by. Only a few will stop and only a few will follow. Out of thousands, a few will recognize that on their way to work or on their way to the temple, on their way to worship God, on their way to see their family, they saw the face of God. They passed by God in the flesh. They witnessed the salvation of mankind walking down the street. But so many will miss it. The welcome and the call to worship in our church service functions to make us all a little more like Simeon. They function to prime our hearts and to prime our ears to expect God to show up. Our welcome, our call to worship anticipates God. They anticipate that God is already here, that God has held up his end of the bargain and shown up. Our job is to notice. The call to worship that we did this morning where we looked at those around us and we said, God is waiting for you. God wants to say something to you. That's at the heart of why we're called to worship at all. The idea is that I don't call you to worship and Pastor Brian doesn't call you to worship. God does. 
God is the one already anticipating us. God is the one that wants to speak to us. The call to worship simply reminds us that we are in God's presence. It reminds us that we are here to worship God. It reminds us that worship is about God. We don't just respond in the call to worship because our part is scripted in the bulletin. We respond to God's call. Respond to God's call to come into his presence, to notice God, and to worship. What's beautiful about what Simeon does is that Simeon anticipates the Messiah. And when he finally does see God in the form of this little baby, Simeon grabs onto Jesus and worships him. He sees the salvation that Jesus will bring to the Gentiles and to the people of Israel, a salvation that will be for all people. Simeon anticipates seeing God. He walks around all his life anticipating that he will see God. This anticipation is half the battle. We understand anticipation. We understand waiting on Christmas Eve for Christmas morning to show up. We understand the anticipation of Christmas morning, of receiving gifts, of being with family, of being surprised. We understand wanting something so much that we wait for it. We put time and energy and money into planning it. We spend countless hours baking cookies and shopping for gifts and calling family. We plan and plan and go to party after party, anticipating Christmas, waiting for it to show up. Or a trip, a trip to Disney World or New York City or even internationally overseas. We plan, we look things up online, we find the best restaurants, We save money years in advance. We anticipate the trip coming, and we get so excited for its arrival. Debaters understand anticipation. A good debater will anticipate what questions might be asked, what arguments might be used. Good debaters anticipate the questions in advance, and they practice. They anticipate what arguments might debunk whatever proposal they're trying to support. And they've already thought about the answer. Those going in for a job interview understand anticipation. They think through what might be asked of them, what the job requires, and they go in ready to sell themselves for that position. Teachers understand anticipation. A good teacher knows what questions students might ask, what problems students might especially struggle with. And they come in ready with a lecture or activity or exercise that helps them with that problem. Parents understand anticipation. They understand that certain situations for their kids might lead to crying or to them being upset. Parents understand their children. They know what situations will make them afraid or what will make them excited, what they can handle and what they can't. Half the battle is anticipating the right thing and then paying attention when it comes. We anticipate all kinds of things in our lives, but we fail to anticipate seeing or hearing God. We fail to expect that God will show up. 
what would it look like if we, like Simeon, spent all of our lives looking for the Messiah? I was reading an article this past spring as I was planning my own wedding. And, of course, the article is about making sure that you pick the right dress and does the hair go up, does the hair go down, is the makeup done by you or is it professionally done. And there are a thousand details to this wedding, right? There's the food. Who's going to make the food and where is it going to be, at the church or outside or in the barn? And the cake, where do you order the cake from, which, in my opinion, is the most important part of wedding planning is where do you get the cake from? So I'm looking through this article and getting stressed out about all the details of this upcoming wedding. And then the end of this article takes a little bit of a turn. The end of this article begins to explain how many brides, after the wedding is over, slump into this sort of post-wedding depression. I kid you not, it's a real thing. (laughs) Post-wedding depression. They have been so excited. They've planned the details of this day, this event, and then all of a sudden, it's over. They've anticipated this wedding. They've had people showering them with gifts and with showers and with things and with love and with celebration. And then after the day of the wedding, it ends. Post-wedding depression anticipating Christmas, anticipating trips, anticipating even weddings. Once they're over, they can leave us sad or empty. But anticipating the Messiah? I imagine that will never leave us sad or empty. Anticipating the Messiah? It's not something that ends. You anticipate God to show up and God shows up. And then you anticipate that God will show up again and God shows up again. The anticipation of the Messiah is different than anticipating all these other things because God continually shows up, not a once-and-for-all-time deal. When Simeon notices the Messiah, the Messiah is not a king. The Messiah is not even an adult. Jesus is an infant. Simeon notices God as a baby. When we anticipate God, we need to be ready for the fact that God might not shout to us in this big, loud way, but in a simple way, in a humble way. We might just hear God in the face of a friend, in a line from a song, in a text from a loved one, in a park full of God's creation. Anticipating God ironically, means anticipating that God won't show up the ways we expect him to. There's a story about a king who lived in a castle. Problem is that the king fell in love with a peasant girl. But he knew that he couldn't go to this peasant girl in his carriage and share that he loved her because he feared that she would never see him at all, but only all the stuff he had. If he went to her in his carriage, she wouldn't see him, but only all the wealth he had. If he went to her with his army behind him, she wouldn't see him, but all the power he had. And if he went to her with his court behind him, she wouldn't see him, but only all of the popularity he had. So he put on beggar's clothes and went to her. We've heard this kind of fairy tale story before, right? A king who dresses in beggar's clothes to win the love of a peasant. But this story is different. 
It's different because the king doesn't dress in beggar's clothes to hide the kingdom that he rules. No, instead the king gets rid of the kingdom and he hands it over. He dresses in beggar's clothes because he is now a beggar too. And then he goes to the peasant girl that he loves. No one anticipates seeing a king in beggar's clothes. It's easy to miss God. It would help if there were a giant neon sign that said, God is here. But there isn't. Oftentimes it's just a baby, just a king in beggar's clothes. We welcome each other. We are called to worship because like Simeon, we are promised that God is here. When we welcome, we anticipate God keeping that promise. The welcome anticipates God. And it's because of that that I am still willing to bet that at some point in your life you've met an angel. Whether or not you realize it, no matter what you believe an angel is or what it looks like, I'm willing to bet you've received a message from God. Because the king is here. Not with a carriage and not with a court and not with an army, just in beggar's clothes. God has promised to show up. Our job is to notice. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we admit that we don't always see you, that we don't always notice you, that often we even walk into this church and fail to feel your presence around us. Might you rekindle in us hearts and ears and lives that are aware of your presence, that when a line from a song or something someone says or something that happens reminds us of who you are and your character, we might remember that you still speak to us today. Help us to notice your presence around us and to be faithful followers. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.